Welcome to the Yoga Teacher CEO Podcast with me, your host, yoga teacher, CEO, and business coach, Della Wheeler. Join me as we combine strategy and soul to elevate your yoga business with ease. Hey y'all, welcome back to the podcast. This is an important one today. The day before I interviewed my guest for this episode on May 25th, 2022, 19 children and two teachers were killed in a devastating shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Gun violence continues to ravage this country day after day after day. And I'll be honest with you, I've never been much of a current events person. I'm not a very political person, and I'm still learning how all of this links together. It's difficult for me to talk about difficult things, and when I do talk about them, I want to make sure that I'm as knowledgeable as I can possibly be. I think at this point, so much devastation has happened, and we've seen it all behind our screens, on the TV, and through the lens of news channels and social media. And when things happen now, it's easy to get lost in the division and the confusion. So often I find myself wondering, how can I even help? Are we too far gone? But as most of us know, change is slow, and it happens one step at a time. So before I introduce my guest and get on with the show today, I want to share some ways that we can take action when it comes to gun violence. This is a way for us all to practice other aspects of yoga like karma yoga, helping our fellow humans and supporting positive change where we can. First, Moms Demand Action is a movement of Americans that fight for public safety measures that protect people from gun violence. If you have the means, I encourage you to get involved by donating or even just following them on social media at Moms Demand Action. Second, Together Rising is a nonprofit that isn't specifically related to gun violence, but they are currently donating all of the money raised to provide financial support to Uvalde victims and the Every Town for Gun Safety Support Fund. Now, this interview came at a really awesome time as I was scheduled to talk to Cindy Beers, a woman who has dedicated her life and work to helping people through yoga for mental health. Now, I have to be clear here. I don't at all believe that mental health is the leading cause of gun violence. I believe guns are. But as yoga teachers, we have a unique opportunity to support the mental health of our students through holding space and giving them tools to heal and thrive. And that's where Cindy comes in. Cindy Beers is an ERYT 500 and is a mission-minded entrepreneur responsible for founding, designing, and establishing a successful yoga business that creates a place for people of all ages and all body types to practice yoga and mental health techniques in a safe, inviting, and authentic environment. 
Cindy spent 18 years in the U.S. Armed Forces and has a special understanding for teaching yoga and mental health practices to veterans, teens, and adults living with anxiety, depression, trauma, and stress. She is also a dedicated educator with over 13 years of teaching experience at the university level. She has over 7,000 hours of teaching and training spanning 10 years in the yoga room. She has published three books, Mindful Yoga for Teen Anxiety, Mindful Yoga for Adult Anxiety, and Yoga for Mental Health. She has created signature yoga and mental health training programs for both individuals and professionals, the Mental Health Toolbox, and Yoga for Mental Health. I'll link all of these things in the show notes for today's episode. Cindy now travels the country leading training programs as well as speaking publicly on mental health. So let's dive into how we can better support our community in today's world. I am welcoming Cindy Beers to the podcast today. Hi, Cindy. Hey, Della. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I, I'm, I'm so excited that you invited me. Yes, and I'm really excited about our conversation today. Before we jump into it, can you tell me how you found yoga and how you decided to become a teacher? Sure. So I was in the military for 18 years and had really severe PTSD, anxiety, trauma, the whole nine yards. And um, it was affecting my body to the point that um, I had fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, and I was using a walker and I was being fitted for a wheelchair. So, wow. so my, my uh, doctor's name's um, Andre Garabedian out of uh, Philadelphia, and he's a specialist. And he said, why don't you try doing yoga along with everything else that we're doing? And I said, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I did. And I really liked it. And so I started to do it like almost every day. Uh, and I would go, I, I would, I signed up for classes. I'd get class passes and I would go every day. And the more I did it, the more I realized I was letting go of a lot of crap. And um, there was a lot of tear stains on that cheap uh, dollar store yoga mat that I started with. And, um, and I noticed I started getting better and better and better. And my head was starting to get clearer. So with, that's how I decided to, uh, that's how I found yoga. And then uh, probably a year after that, or two years after that, I decided to be a teacher. And um, I, I reached out to a lady I just happened to find randomly on the internet. Her name was, um, her name's uh, Mary Irby. Um, and she runs uh, White Crow Yoga. And she was out of Nashville. So I, I was flying down to Nashville every three months to do my yoga teacher training for a year. You know, I would go down there, do the training. She'd send me home with like a boatload of homework and I'd have to do that, go back, you know, and I'd spend a week or two there doing stuff. And so after a year, I got my teacher training and she goes, you should keep going. So I did. And I did my 300 hour with her also, which was wonderful. And that is how I, st- I 
came into yoga. That's an amazing story. And your body <laughs> also healed through yoga, you know, with the medical treatment as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so cool. Yeah. That's a big testament to what we do. For very sure. much, very much so. <laughs> and today, what does your work look like? I specialize in mental health, specifically anxiety, depression, PTSD, trauma, and stress. Um, I have delved into other things like complex PTSD, dissociative identity disorder, and worked with individuals with that too. So when I work with uh, people that have mental health issues, um, I do not just yoga, but I teach them other holistic modalities that they can do on their own. So it can help with adding to what they already have or not. So um, it's yoga, meditation, affirmations, uh, havening, tapping, self-EMDR. Um, and then I just started, um, I got certified in hypnotherapy uh, this, this past uh, month. That's so cool. Wow. Lots of, lots of tools that you use in addition to yoga to help people. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, and, and yoga is a holistic modality and, and, you know, everything that I teach falls under, if you look at it, it falls under the yoga philosophies um, of Ahimsa, you know, Satya and so on. So I make sure that I stick with that because I have a full belief system you know, in the yamas and the niyamas where I, you know, I really enjoy them. And, and I, I've followed my path with that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So that's what I do. That's awesome. So cool. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you today, especially specifically with just current events, if you will, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> if you're cool with bringing that up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we can talk, uh, let's first start, uh, talk about, um, witnessing war. Um, I, I just wrote an article, uh, about, you know, witnessing war in your mental health and, you know, between that and, um, other things prior to, uh, what happened on the, uh, 25th, um, you know, it, it can the news itself, and I'm just going to clump everything together here in a minute. The news itself can be traumatic, you know, not just the acts themselves, but the news itself, because, you know, we have everything at our fingertips, whether we have our phones, our TVs, our computers, we're always getting that input of bad stuff. So how do we combat that? Well, you know, as adults, we, we need to monitor how we look at things and how, how much we're viewing things. So, you know, turning off your phones or shutting your computers or, you know, just limiting your TV time can be extremely important. One of the things that um, I started doing, oh, I would have to say about five years ago is I stopped watching the news. And I took off all the news apps on my phone and all the uh, emails that come in. Uh, so I got rid of all of them because it was affecting my health. And, and when we look at things that are negative that happen within our society, that's a really low vibration. 
And we don't want to carry that around with us. We need to have things that are higher vibration, things that make us feel good. Now, so, you know, as yoga teachers, we could always say, you know, do yoga to help your mental health. Of course, we're going to say that because it does. But it's not just that, but stepping away from technology itself and the input of all the negativity is really important also. Um, when we, um, if we have children, that, you know, that kind of puts us in a different, you know, a different thing. One of the things that's really super important is parents should be initiating the conversation with their children and talking about it because the parents need to share with their children, you know, yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling sad about this too, or this really hurts me. And, mm -hmm. and that way it opens up the communication with the child so they can under, you know, see that mommy and, and daddy or, you know, whoever's raising them is, is feeling this also. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the second thing, uh, you know, we need to do is adapt the conversation to the child's age and, you know, having that conversation with them, like about war, uh, you know, it's, when you're sitting there talking to a child about war, you have to put it in terms of like Mr. Rogers and, and, and talk to them on that level, especially preschoolers, because they don't understand what's going on because preschoolers, all they want to do is play with their friends, high school students, middle school students, you know, um, they see these things. And right now, all students within schools and colleges are petrified on what they can, you know, what's going on, you know, looking at what can happen with them, you know, and with that logic, the brain can get away from you, causing even more trauma and anxiety within you. So if you're, you know, if you have middle school students, high school students or college students, talk with them, make sure that you're having that conversation. Um, and and make sure that they're you're taking care of them and they're taking care of themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that so often it's easier for us to be silent when all of this. I mean, and to be fair, we're inundated, like you say, very much. and that's very unnatural for us as we're really not supposed to know every single thing that's happening everywhere. Right. Um, Right. So this that's is not, the first problem. <laughs> right. This is not like World War One or Two. You know, we it, it, it's just been in recent history, starting in Vietnam, that the war has been in our living rooms. Mm -hmm. Or, mm -hmm. you know, all the negative things are in our living rooms. Everything used to go through the movie theaters and movie tone. Um, so, you know, newspapers, all that stuff. Anyway, you know, so it's always in our face and we need to create the boundary, mm -hmm. so to speak, for ourselves to protect ourselves from all the negativity that's out there. Mm -hmm. granted, granted, you know, as, as yoga teachers, we need to be making sure of how our, how our students are feeling. Um, when the war in the Ukraine started, I, I teach a Tuesday, Thursday class with a bunch of ladies that I've had for 12 years. And um, I, before we started class, I said, does anybody have any questions on what's going on? 
and mm-hmm. because of my because of my military background, I could do that. But at the same time, we're also trying to promote positivity within the universe to make sure that we're helping those who are going through this. Mm-hmm. Same thought process mm-hmm. back to May twenty fifth. Um, you know, uh, talking to our our clients about this, our students. You know what you know, letting them express how they feel is so vitally important because, you know, I don't know, I'm I'm a mom, I'm a grandmother. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you, yesterday I sat and bawled my eyes out because Mm -hmm. it hurts my mother's heart Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and it angers me very much. So, um, you know, when I have students and they, you know, and we have this kind of tragedy, just like 9-11. When 9-11 happened, I did the same thing. I sat down and I said, let's talk about this. How are you feeling? Where are you feeling this? What, you know, are you angry? Why are you angry? And, and yes, we're not therapists, but at the same time, we need to know what's going through our students' heads so we can create a practice that's mm-hmm. going to help them work through these tragedies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it ta- it takes a lot of courage, I think, to to step away from silence and step into this role that you're speaking about is really like talking about it and being open about it. I would say, yeah. like for me, it's there's um the line is it's hard to find balance of how do we you know create like a a safe haven or a preve from the news and current events and how then do we also support our students a little bit better and i think that maybe it is a safe haven to talk more about it because we don't really have that platform anywhere else as people to sit down in a group setting and talk about something that's happening in a way that isn't social media. It isn't, you know, um, in a way that separates people. It's a way that brings people together. So yeah, it's thought provoking for me because I'm like, I think I'm in the camp where I'd rather just like not talk about it at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And a lot of people are like that, but that's okay. You know, but by not talking about it, think about the feelings that you're having in there that you're pushing down. Yeah, that's true. You know, one of the things I've learned um, that I've, I took with me is, um, oh gosh, I I don't even remember when I did this. I took Nikki Meyers yoga for the 12 step recovery program. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she does within the program is she teaches the teachers to have time before class, kind of like a 12 step, you know, um, AA meeting kind of Mm -hmm. thing to talk. And with working with mental health, that's one of the things I kind of adopted, Um, you know, especially if I have a anxiety class, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and if I have 10, 12 people in the class that, you know, have anxiety out the wazoo, how am I going to be effective as a teacher if I'm not listening to my students? Mm-hmm. So I always take like 30 to 45 minutes prior to class just to have a group discussion, not just for me to understand what's going on in their brain, but so they can have the support system of the group. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and I know other yoga teachers will understand this. When you have people that have been together for years, like I have this one group that I've had for 12 years, we've kind of grown up together and we can instinctively tell when one of us is not doing well. Mm-hmm. So we always take that, you know, 30 to 45 minutes prior to class just to talk it out. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's tears, there's tears. You know, we don't need to know where those tears, why they're there and where they're from. We just need to hold space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That really brings, I mean, it it brings yoga to a deeper level beyond 100%. just the physical practice, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you look at the beginnings of, of yoga, um, you, you know, it was, it was, you know, especially the, the Hatha belief system was created by tantric yoga or tantric monks. Um, if you uh, Jim follow Jim Mallinson, uh, which I'm like a devotee of this guy because he's just absolutely remarkable. Um, and and Dr. Mallinson um, talks about why they created it and where it came from. And then it kind of like went into all the stuff that we have now, the Yoga Sutras and whatnot. But when you look at, when you're looking at the Yamas and the Niyamas, it's exactly what we should be doing, holding space for our, our students, you know, listening to them, you know, uh, creating creating that safe space. And that's what the yamas and the niyamas are about. It's not about going in with a piece of paper and doing what's on that piece of paper for that 60 to 90 minutes. It's beyond that now. It is beyond that. We need to be holding space for these people. And, and when I look at different types of yogas, a lot of them, you know, some of them don't do that. You know, like just say I go into a hot yoga, are they going to come up to me and say, how you doing today? Are you all right? No, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm always stepping back to the traditional Hatha yoga belief system and understanding what my clients need at this Mm -hmm. moment in their life. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that so for a teacher that does teach a more, it sounds like the, the classes, some of the classes that you teach are a little bit longer and more in depth because you have some time to right. sit down for 30 to 45 minutes before, which is amazing. I love that. But then for a lot of group teacher group class teachers, like I'm thinking just about myself personally is I don't teach any class longer than an hour and 15 minutes on the regular schedule. So for teachers like that, how can they implement some of what you are talking about, you know, in keeping with the physical practice as well, but also supporting the mental health of students? And that's a really good question. I'm a, you know, about 10 years ago, and this, this was a profound thing for me to learn 10 years ago, I, had a, a yoga injury. I went into, I went into trikonasana and I pulled a hamstring. I, it, it just, it would, and it was like incredibly painful. But what that taught me was walking around my students and cueing from walking around and, and watching them. And if I'm watching someone that I see that they are physically and mentally struggling, I'll, I'll just stand there for a minute. 
I, I, you know, because of COVID, you know, I haven't really been, you know, doing any adjustments or putting a hand on someone, but what I'll do is I'll whisper in their ear, are you okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if they say no, I'll just say, you know, if you need to stop into child's pose and, Mm -hmm. and just let them hold space for themselves while we continue on with class, because sometimes, and you, as a seasoned yoga teacher, you know, that there's sometimes that people just can't, they can't hold it together on the mat. They get into a down dog and they're just sobbing. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, you know, at, you know, if I'm, if just say I'm doing a traditional vinyasa class, I'll just easily just get a tissue, put it next to them and leave them there and not even mm-hmm. engage. Mm-hmm. But with the type of classes that I'm teaching, I'll do that. Another, you know, walking around, that's a huge one. Um, second thing is, you know, as a yoga teacher, look at what ha- is going on in the world and base your class on that. Like, for example, what happened yesterday? That was a tragic heartache, heartache, mm-hmm. you know, affecting the heart chakra, the throat chakra, mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. gut, you know, your solar plexus. So what did I do? I created a, a, a practice to handle those chakras. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. So that's another thing that's you could do. Idea. Yeah. Looking at what's going on in the world. Um, another thing that I, you know, that, that is important is when your students are walking in, listen to their conversations, you know, because sometimes you'll have them walk in going, Oh my God, I need this today. Or, you know, oh, work was held today, you know? So, you know, listening to what they're saying when they walk in, and sometimes, and I can't tell you how many times I've done this, you know, I've had a set, a set thing of what I was going to do. And I hear them talking and I toss it out and I'll just go with a calmer class, like whether it's yin or restorative or just breathing, having a pranayama class, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so those are all things that um, I've, I've uh, incorporated. Um, now, a couple other things, uh, uh, one other thing that the yoga teachers can do, which I'm not promoting in any way, shape or form, but it is the cheapest you know, form of advertisement. Um, my yoga for mental health program incorporates the modalities of tapping, havening, you know, meditation, affirmations. And these are all things you can incorporate into mm-hmm. a class. Yeah. Think about it. If you're creating a theme for a class, you know, just say you, you want to create a class on acceptance. If you put a huge poster up there and have the affirmation, I love and accept myself, you can create a whole gosh darn class on that one sentence. Mm-hmm. Just doing that. And, you know, a lot of times before the start of the class, you know, yes, we'll do a meditation, but I'll f- prior to the meditation, we'll start with doing a round of tapping with pranayama. Usually it's just a nice three-part breathing, then doing a nice meditation just to get everybody, get get the crap out of their head, get them focused and let them have a nice practice that they don't have to sit there and do a brain dump constantly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the idea of incorporating those tools outside of yoga. And when you incorporate all of the tools, even yoga and breath work and meditation, you're giving them tools to use 
when they're not in the classroom, which is really powerful too. Exactly. And, And with the way that the mental health community is now, because it is saturated with so many people because of the pandemic, because of the war, because of what happened yesterday, they're inundated. Mm-hmm. So that's where I've, I come in and I've created this program to teach people how to take care of themselves until they can get to a, a professional. Now, mm-hmm. I, I will tell I am not a psychologist. I have a master's degree in Buddhist philosophy and I have a master's degree in philosophy. So I'm a philosophy person, but taking psychology and my co-author, uh, Tom Fink, who is a psychologist, he's very well known in the community. Um, he's, t- he's taught me so much and I've taken that and like put it in my philosophy hat and, and made it work. So, you know, we're, you know, my job is helping the mental health community so people can be there and try to be present until they can see the professional. Now, the, mm-hmm. the, the sideline to that is if you have someone that's going through persistent depressive disorder or suicidal ideation, those two things alone, that, you know, if it gets bad, that's when the person needs to go seek help beyond mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. we can do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that that's a good delineation. Like yoga teachers are not are not therapists, but I think that there's also something to be said for just the inherent mental health benefits of yoga practice and 100%. Yeah, and the fact that some people maybe um, getting help from a professional is not accessible to them, but yoga is accessible to them, whether that exactly. be, you know, monetarily or even just like a, a mental thing, like a block they could have about sitting down and talking to someone. Absolutely. Um, so I think that that's a cool thing to think about as well is just absolutely. how powerful yoga is. And absolutely. And, you know, let's, let's take it a little step further and let's look at yoga nidra and how impactful that is. Um, I went through um, Richard Miller's eye rest class. And, mm-hmm. and, and one of the things in that class is you have to do X amount of, of you know, uh, yoga nidras with people. And yoga nidra is such a powerful tool mm-hmm. that can really help a person's brain so even if they can't do the physical practice they can do the mental practice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is yes. huge and that's the one thing i found with uh getting certified in um, um hypnotherapy there's so much overlap with hypnotherapy and yoga nidra because it takes you to that place between sleep and awake and it keeps you there until you're finished Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love yoga nidra and hypnotherapy. Both are really awesome. <laughs> Such cool tools to implement, Oh yeah. Definitely. For sure. To me, in this like day and age and where we've landed as people and in our culture, all of these tools that you're talking about and yoga and really all of these just incredible practices that we all have like in our little toolboxes as teachers 
are just in more and more important. Exactly. A hundred percent. It's just so important for all of that to be combined into what we're doing, you know, mm-hmm. as yoga teachers, you know, and you could, you could literally step back and say, I'm just a yoga teacher and be okay with that. But you also want to be a teacher that's in the know. You want to be a teacher that understands your, your clients. Mm-hmm. Anybody can, anybody can show up at the front of the room and do a 60 minute flow, but it takes a special teacher to sit down and, and understand what your clients are going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it takes some courage for sure. Like we were talking oh, about at the beginning. <laughs> absolutely. It's, you know, putting yourself out there is incredibly scary, but at the same time, it's so worth it. Yeah. Yeah. The ripple effect of, of doing that is so huge and think mm-hmm. about the people that it affects directly and then also indirectly. It's amazing. Yep. It yep. really is. Yep. And one of the things that, especially if I have someone that's going through um, some trauma and they easily get triggered, teaching them the self EMDR is so easy. And all you're doing is just sitting there with your hands, making a butterfly and just going back and forth. And, and you can use the affirmations to go with it, just to let yourself get away from that triggering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yesterday um, I worked with a lady um, who has a lot of childhood trauma and, um, and she, she goes to a therapist for EMDR. And I said, why don't we try a self one? She goes, Oh, Oh, I don't know. I said, hear me out. So we're sitting here going back and forth doing the butterfly. And I just had her close her eyes. And I just say, I want you to repeat after me. I am enough. I love myself just the way I am. I am safe. And Mm -hmm. you know, that really helped out with the triggering process because she gets so triggered about, uh, being, uh, she, she, um, she was, uh, put in foster care at the age of eight. So she, you know, just doing that alone brings her back to that space of being okay. Mm -hmm. And, and, and stop, you know, we were doing a yoga practice and we just stopped the practice and, and just let her hold, I just held space with her just to work with her. Mm -hmm. And it can be so simple. Like, I think that a lot of new students, at least, or people who don't practice yoga at all, are like, that is complicated. It's not for me. I'm not that kind of person. And I'm just like, all you have to do is take a few deep breaths and you're going to feel amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people, like when I work with veterans, veterans don't want to do chanting. Hate it. Yeah. No chanting. So one of the things that I do is have them hum instead of doing ohms, you know, Mm -hmm. just putting their hands on their heart and just humming. And I tell them, hum into your hands. And, and so if you have students like that, just have them put their hands over their heart and hum into their hands. Mm -hmm. You're getting the same benefits of doing a regular own practice. You know, if you want to incorporate chanting, great. You know, it's, it, chanting is a wonderful thing. I mean, my God, I'm a follower of Krishna Das. How, how can we not love chanting when you're following him, you know? Um, so yeah, 
So chanting is a great one to add to a practice. Even if you're not a chanting person, just putting the hands over the heart and humming into the hands. That's mm -hmm. a great thing. Um, you know, uh, you know, we all know the breathing techniques like alternate nostril breathing. And a lot of people, you know, this doing alternate nostril breathing can be really a challenge to someone, especially if they're claustrophobic. So mm -hmm. how do we get around that? Thumbs. We do the mm -hmm. Fonzie, we put the thumbs up, you have them look and you have them use their imagination to breathe into the left nostril, turn their head and exhale to the right nostril. So these are little tricks that yoga teachers can incorporate because if, if you know, you're doing Nadi Shananda and you're doing it the traditional way and, and your students are like, what the hell is that? Change mm -hmm. it up. You don't have to do a traditional way to make it work. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being open to those variations of like traditional practices is a really cool idea. I like that a lot. Absolutely. And, and, and Jeevana Heyman, I don't know if you're, um, mm -hmm. if you know who Jeevana Heyman is of accessible yoga, he's a huge proponent of changing a pose to making it a way of making it, you know, accessible for the person. Same way with pranayama. We could do the same thing, you know? Yeah, it's fitting the practices to the person instead of fitting the person into the practices. And that's something that the modern yoga teacher needs to learn. Very much so, definitely. Yeah, because I and I think that a lot of modern yoga teachers, it's like they want to know that. It's not like they have ill intentions or anything. I mean, some might have just a really closed mind about what yoga is, but like I'm thinking just about myself specifically, like I have every intention of making yoga accessible for people, but the knowledge has to be there. And I think that that's, it's not being taught in traditional teacher trainings, or at least it mm -hmm. wasn't before it might be now. I think it's yeah. starting to slowly change, but I think that the knowledge and, you know, the teaching of doing that has to be there as well. Yeah. Well, one of the things I, I like to do in a beginner class is have playtime and meaning that, you know, yes, we're doing a yoga class, but let's look at, let's just break down the poses and see where we can make it better for the student. You know, mm -hmm. for example, warrior one, we're putting our ups in the, our arms up in the air. What if the student can't do this? What if this hurts their shoulders? Okay, where can we put their hands that it's going to be okay? So mm -hmm. pl playing, pl having playtime within mm -hmm. the practice is so key. Yeah, and not assuming that everyone can do something or that everything feels good for someone. And I think that sometimes it takes like an injury or something like you had that triangle pose injury or I deal with a lot of low back pain and mm -hmm. from an injury. And I think that that opened my eyes like to personally, I'm just like, you know, warrior one where we're like squaring our hips forward, that feels terrible to me. So I think that you sometimes need like the personal experience of the thing in order to open your eyes to, you know, this doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, I had a yoga teacher teaching for me one time who very long and leggy. And, and she had a hard time doing pigeon pose. And, and she, you know, the person that she went through her teacher training with was constantly 
telling her to square her hips, you know, move this way. And she just could, her body just wouldn't do it. And I asked her, I, I said, why are you struggling with this? Just make it for the way your body works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's like, nope, one ever said that to me. And I said, now someone's saying it to you, do it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. it's gonna, and it's the same way with, you know, working with others' mental health. It's not, it's not a cookie cutter, boilerplate type of thing. Your anxiety is different than mine. Just like her trauma is different than yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so to me, that feels like at least the very least that a teacher can do if they do not have maybe as much knowledge as someone like you who knows a lot of different variations of poses and practices. If you don't have that knowledge yet, to me, at the very least, you can say, if this isn't working for you, try something else. Or if this isn't working for you, you have freedom to come out of it or give me a wave and we can talk about it. Um, just like putting that, that freedom in your students' hands in some ways, and then also making a learning experience out of it, like seeing, okay, pigeon pose did not work for that person. I wonder why, and what can I do instead to make it a little bit more friendly? There you go. There you go. And again, same goes with the brain. You know, if we're in a yoga class and you see someone that is physically and mentally struggling give them that space let them go into child's pose give them a tissue let them have their time yeah and sometimes students like all they really need is for you to see them and give them permission to do what they need to do like uh i had a student recently in a heated vinyasa hard hot ass class (laughs) and it was his first time back in a long time because of you know life and he said this is like my first time in five years and he was struggling very much to just even really move at all and at one point I came to the back of the room and I said it's really hot you can step outside if you want to and he was like oh and he left the room and stepped outside for basically the rest of the class. I think he was so happy that I, I came up to him and said, you can leave if you want. Like, you're not stuck here, you know? Yeah. And, you know, that's... <laughs> it was and that simple. And, you know, giving that open opportunity to a student is so key. Um, I, I took a um, hot yoga class one time. It was... Um, it was a Bikram class and, mm. you know, and I, as I've said at the beginning, I have PTSD. So when you go into a Bikram class, uh, yeah, they lock that door and that didn't sit well with me. I'm like, okay, I'm just, I'm with friends. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. So after about an hour, I just sat down and started drinking my, my water. And the teacher came over and tried to shame me. She tried and I stood up. And I got in her face and I said, and I wasn't mean. I said, you have two choices. Either you can unlock that door, let me out and let me sit quietly. Or I could sit quietly right here and drink my water as I was doing. <laughs> that was great that you stood up for yourself. <laughs> and, and, and so she turned around, walked away and she, you know, was making smart aleck comments under her breath. And when I left the class, I gave her a copy of the Yamas and the Niyamas 
niyamas because I said, clearly you don't know what these are. So Merry Christmas, read this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's just so wild to me how, I don't know, I guess just when people get involved in anything, even the most sacred thing, like we can really, um, you know, this place that's supposed to be a reprieve a safe haven for people an open space like can turn into such a restrictive not happy place for right. some and, people and Silly. we need and we need to as yoga teachers to have an open safe space and have those openings like you just talked about look you're you're you know i know this is tough if if you want to just stay out here stay out here and or you can go home. It's all right. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and get, you know, it's not that you're giving them permission, but giving them that opening of, of giving them the options. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And that can really transform someone's entire experience as a person. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. truly, truly. Yes. Oh, it's all, that's so cool. It's all about being the mindful teacher, you know, and, and as yoga teachers, we're taught about mindfulness and everything. But the question I have is, are we being mindful when we have a piece of paper and we're doing the practice with the, the students? Are we watching them to be, if they're being safe? You know, mm -hmm. if, you know, are we being mindful when we're going to our own agenda mm -hmm. versus what our students need? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is so easy to check out and just provide the poses. And sometimes that's all you can do because of whatever might be going on in, in life. But yeah, I think really emphasizing the student's experience and like you say, being mindful and open to what's going on in the room on many different levels is the best way to provide a really great class for most people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. Is there anything else that you want to share with everyone around this mental health theme that we're talking uh, about? Like well, anything we might be missing that you really wanted to say? Just hold space for people. That's the number one thing. It's not about your agenda. It's about theirs mm -hmm. and, and holding space for them. Um, I do have a yoga for mental health teacher training coming up in July. Uh, I'm doing it in person and I'm doing it online. So That's it's awesome. both. Mm -hmm. So um, doing it that way. Um, I, uh, I'm teaching, I'm uh, scheduled to teach a class for the Polyvagal Institute, uh, which was cool. created by Stephen Porges. Um, uh, I don't know when this is going to be uh, put out, but I'm going to be at Omega June 5th to the 10th. Uh, I'll be there and uh, cross your fingers, you know, more is coming. And as we open up more and more, let's, you know, I, I just keep moving forward with what I do. Yeah, that's great. I'm so happy that you're providing that service to all of us. So before we leave, what is your number one piece of advice for a new yoga teacher? For a new yoga teacher? Um, let me think for a second here. Um, I would say for a, a new teacher, get to know your students. Understand them. 
find out about, the, you know, what do they do? Where do they come from? What's their background? And, and if you're a brand new yoga teacher starting out, you're trying to figure out how to create a sangha or, you know, create a community, best bet ever is always go through your parks and rec in your local area, because mm -hmm. that is the one way you can create a community of people wanting to come to you. Mm -hmm. And then you can, and then once you have that community, you could stay with your parks and rec or go to a yoga studio and those people will follow you. Mm -hmm. you no. Know? So that I think right there is my biggest piece of advice right there. Yeah. That's a great piece of advice. Like get curious and then get creative with how you present, present yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. And I love that all of this advice really does take someone from, oh, I'm just a yoga teacher to treating it as a profession and treating, you know, the environment and atmosphere that you come to and the way that you connect with your students in a really professional way. Um, so I love that about it, too. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you, my dear Della. I appreciate you having me on here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Yoga Teacher CEO. If you're loving the podcast, leave a rating and review. Wanting to dive deeper? Check the show notes for additional resources for your personal and professional growth.